0: Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner, Talking Baseball with Jim Leyritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Leyritz.
1: Welcome, everyone. We are in for a great show today. Of course, spring training in full gear. Game's starting today, tomorrow... A couple inter-squad games being played yesterday. Uh, Quite a few things going on. Big news in baseball, of course, today. As we talk about it, Jason Veritek retires. Grady Sizemore out with surgery again. A.J. Burnett having surgery on his broken orbital bone. Bobby Valentine, of course, stirring the Yankee pot. Lots of news. Other things going on. Shane Victorino's contract dispute. Wants a big contract the DH in the National League, a lot of things to talk about. We will discuss all of these and more coming up a little later in the show. But first, we will have Jesse Sanchez, our MLB.com, Mr. Everything, pretty much covering all the teams this spring. And Jesse right now is in Arizona covering the Chicago White Sox. And Jesse, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here, hey. man.
1: No problem, man. I understand you uh, you are covering the Chicago White Sox today.
2: Yeah, I'm actually uh, just uh, here, just doing some uh, beat reporting here, filling in for our buddy uh, Scott Merkin. So I'm here at uh, Glendale Stadium Uh, now. I just walked out of the clubhouse and now just stepped into the press box. So all right, well, good. Well, first
1: of all, it's got to be beautiful and sunny there in Arizona, I'm sure. It's
2: awesome here. It's wonderful. I mean, it's seventy and sunny. It's a little bit windy, but I'm not going to complain.
1: Well, Jesse, let's talk a little bit about you know be, being there. Chicago White Sox. Lots of changes. Let's first talk about the first thing, the most important thing, is Robin Ventura now the manager, his first year ever coaching at the helm of this ball club. Tell me a little bit about what you've heard from him and kind of what you've what, what, what you've seen out there as far as what he's looking for this year. You know from my initial
2: impression, just talking to some of the guys here in the clubhouse, they're really impressed with how business-like it is. It's still fun, but, uh, you know, there's definitely maybe more order uh as far as the uh, camp is going, and there are less distractions. I think uh near the end of the year, uh, last year, you know, the distractions, whether it was the Twitter or whether it was a reality show, whatever it might have been, maybe starting to wear on the guys. I think now they're kind of back to focus on just the baseball and baseball only and you know trying to turn this ship around
1: now of course you you know we're, they're they're so used to the fiery the craziness of the ozzy Gian era tell me a little bit about like you said what uh, they feel like more that robin ventura is kind of more of a, a, a laid-back kind of guy that, that they can kind of just maybe police their own their own cells for a while
2: you know i think so i think that's initially what the impression i'm getting i mean. At the same time, everybody speaks highly of Ozzy here. You know, they have a lot of respect for, uh, you know, what he was able to accomplish, obviously, winning, you know, World Series here, you know, 2005, and, uh, you know, and the kind of, uh, you know, part of history they made here in Chicago. I mean, but just like anything, especially in baseball, it comes with time for change, you know, and sometimes you have to change managers. Sometimes you change, you know, position players or general managers, and I think, the people here, I mean, the sentiment I get from the players, as much as res- they respected Ozzy, they they're kind of just ready for a change and, and, and they're okay with it. And, uh, you know, they respect Robin Ventura and they just want to, uh, you know, get on the field and get their work in.
1: Now, you know, when you look at this ball club and you or actually look at this division and you see what Detroit did, but getting fielder and they were already strong to begin with with that pitching staff over there. The expectations. I know that, uh, you know, I've read some of the articles lately that some of these players aren't too happy with everybody already counting them out. What's the talk over there as far as what these guys feel like, how they can compete in that AL Central?
2: You know, the thing about it, I think they've been on both sides. They've been favored at one time, and they've also been overlooked. And it seems like they're kind of okay being under the radar. I mean, obviously, everybody's picking Detroit. And, uh, you know, I think people even have Cleveland, some people have Cleveland and the Royals ahead of them. And I really think they're okay with that. I mean, not that they are happy being picked to finish last, but I think they're happy that everybody else is getting the attention so they can work and do their things under the radar and maybe surprise some people if everything goes right.
1: Talk a little bit about Jesse, you know, like I said, Robin Venture is new. He's got a whole new coaching staff. Tell me a little bit about some of the coaches on the team, and have you had an opportunity to to hear anything what these guys have to say and their challenges? Because I think with the exception of Harold Baines, pretty much every other guy is brand new. Right, right. I think what
2: they're trying to do now is just to get familiar with each other, get familiar with the players, and – and just concentrate on getting as much work in as it possible. Obviously, uh there's only, you know, 4 weeks or maybe 5 weeks till the beginning of the season, you know, till they open up the season in Texas. And they're really just concentrating on getting their work in, uh building some confidence, putting whatever happened in the past in the past and letting those relationships develop naturally. I don't think anybody's, you know, trying to force anything. I think just the familiarity and the relationships coming naturally in the you know, as you know, as uh, people who play baseball have been around it, you know that happens in spring training, and you know they'll show up April, ready to go, and they'll be a team.
1: You know, Jesse, I look at this roster, I look at these players, and as much as they had such a horrible season last year, and you know, with with Adam Dunn's season and some of the things, I look at this roster and I look at this pitching staff, and what do you think about these guys as far as the AL Central? Where do you see these guys fitting in there?
2: You know what? I mean, on paper, you know, and, and this is the one thing I heard again today, on paper, they should compete. You know, they can't expect John Danks to have the kind of year he had last year. I mean, you know, he had a, admittedly, had a terrible year. You know, I mean, Adam Dunn had, you know, a forgettable year. And I think if they get anything from these guys or perform better, you know, they're obviously going to, you know, win more games. You know, I think the key is done. The key is uh, Rios and Danks. You know, at the top of the rotation. I mean, he hasn't been named opening day starter. It kind of looks that way. It's lining up to be that way, and uh, you know, they expect a lot from John Danks.
1: All right, well, I think one of the big question marks, and it's it's always been a big topic anywhere he's gone, and Jake Peavy, I think, could be a big, big key to this rotation. If he says, you know, he he tells everybody right now he feels like these injuries are behind him and that he's he, he will be healthy this year. What do you think about that?
2: You know, I think so. I think, again, on paper, and if he's healthy, he'll, maybe he can be, you know, the hidden X factor here. Uh, but as you know, with injuries, it's really hard to tell. And everybody always talks about how healthy they are and how strong they are and, the, you know, the whole best shape of my life uh, cliché. But I think the proof will be in the pudding. You know, and in the future, if, uh, you know, PV goes out there and he performs, his numbers will speak for himself. You know, I think everybody knows how competi- how much of a competitor he is. They know what his track record is of success. And I think now it's just a matter of time just going out there and doing it. And he can just let his wins and his ERA speak for him.
1: Now, Jess, I know there's, a, there's some of the other questions that have to be answered during spring training. I know Robin Ventura mentioned it the other day in one of his interviews. Talked a little bit about his closing situation and between Matt Thornton and Jesse Crane. And how do you see this working out and who do you think might be the leading candidate for that?
2: You know what's really hard to tell. I mean, this early in the season. Um uh, they also have a young prospect, I think he's named Reed, and uh we will see. I mean, I think they're I mean, as with a new manager, new co new coaching staff, they're having uh trying to create a new culture here. It'll be interesting to see how they break camp and who they break camp with. Um I mean uh, for me it's really hard to see say who has, you know, a leg up because it's so early in spring training and so much can happen between now and April. And I think they're really just trying to figure out who works best and what will work best for the long run.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think one of the things we, you know, we all have huge expectations when spring training starts and, you know, we can make the predictions going into spring training and they usually change by the end. And we, you know, we, we all kind of hesitate to make those predictions.
2: One of the things that I'm
1: interested to understand, and maybe I don't know if you, I, I know you're filling in there and the White Sox aren't who you usually cover, but as far as Robin Ventura goes, as far as managing, have you, have you had a chance to talk to him at all as far as what he's expecting as far as as the season progresses and some of the rigorous questions that are going to be asked of him as the season goes on? You know what? It's been my
2: impression that uh, he understands the challenges ahead of him. As a first-year manager, he understands the challenges ahead of him in this division and he's really taking it head-on. I mean, what I've been impressed by and what everybody seems to really talk about is his uh, humility, his workman-like approach, um, the business-like approach everybody is really taking and how serious they are about getting back on track. I mean, I think uh, we'll watch as the season goes on the strategy, Watch how he go, how he operates in crunch time. I think it's hard to uh, to predict what that what will happen. Will he make the right moves? Will you know how will he adjust when guys are struggling in the lineup? I think these are all the questions that'll be answered during the season, as it is with every first year manager. But it seems that what the feeling I get in the clubhouse is people have tons of confidence in Robin Ventura. They're ready to play for him. They really like him, and uh, they're just ready to move forward and compete.
1: Jesse, if you had to make a prediction on the Chicago White Sox team, as your expertise, where do you put these guys this year?
2: You know what, You know what, Jim? I, I had a good conversation with John Dinks today, and uh, he kind of basically nailed it. And he said, if everything falls into place, we have the, the talent on this club to win. And we could surprise some people, but things have to fall into place. We have to stay healthy. And John Danks admitted he had to pitch better than he did last year. So I mean, obviously, looking at it, uh, the powerhouse and everybody's pick will be Detroit. You know, everybody likes the Royals. People uh... still have confidence in the Indians, but I really think you can't rule these White Sox out. Especially, I mean, there's a new culture here, new player. uh you know, new coaches and these guys really have something to prove. And they could surprise someone. I mean, I can't I can't sit here and say they're gonna I can pick them over Detroit, but I think they will definitely make some noise in this division.
1: I think so too. I think this is one the one division that you know, even though yes, we picked Detroit as the leader that is pretty much wide open. That there's not there, there's not that one dominant team that you feel like that's gonna be uh gonna be that they can't be overtaken you know the Detroit looks good, but there's a couple of things that could happen that could put them right back down in the in the in the mediocrity of that of that division. I think that's one of the things that we'll be probably watching for all all spring but listen, I'm gonna take a quick break. You have a chance to come back. What else you' you been working on for me um you know, I've just been covering different camps
2: i've uh I was uh you know visiting Oakland, the Mariners. Uh, the brewers, just checking out different facilities and, uh, you know, just trying to keep abreast of what's going on in Arizona.
1: All right, if you can give me a couple minutes, let me take a quick break, and can you come back for maybe five more with me? Okay, sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Jesse Sanchez to talk more about spring training.
0: He's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at the Got it with 2.8 seconds. Left. Left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Jim Leritz is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who's always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power. One can overcome anything. Visit JimLaiRetz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLairitz.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lassiter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals. San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No Holds part. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. (laughs) NFL, MLB, 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 NBA, NHL, NHL. Speak up, speak up, or forever hold your mouth. We ain't
1: playing around here.
0: Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Leyritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jemleyritz.com. Now, back to the
1: show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and... Jesse Sanchez from MLB.com has been nice enough to join us this first half and talk a little bit about the White Sox. But we're going to shift our attention to what he's actually, because he's filling in for Scott Merkin right now with the White Sox, something that Jesse has been covering a little bit more lately has been the AL West. And we're going to turn our attention right now to the AL West. And Jesse, tell me a little bit about the Oakland A's you spent some time with. And, of course, they have the Cuban defector coming in, Cipadas, and also Manny Ramirez. Tell me a little bit about what you found out at that camp.
2: You know, one of the first things I noticed coming in in the morning in Oakland was uh, Kurt Suzuki and Manny Ramirez have been hitting together every morning at 7 7 o'clock or 7.30 a.m. You know, so I went over and I talked to Kurt Suzuki about it, and he was just really happy kind of uh, grateful to be able to work with Manny, you know, on hitting, on philosophy and that type of thing. And I think just as much as, you know, Oakland hopes Manny can contribute with some offense, I think that's the kind of thing he can also contribute with the younger hitters, developing hitters uh, maybe give them you know some insight on what's going on at the plate, what pitchers are trying to do and share some things so uh I mean it seems like he has some value in that way also
1: yeah, Jesse, do you see this kind of as a signing possibly that says okay, you know what it's a it's it's fairly inexpensive, they have a low budget over there. This is and they're and they're in a rebuilding process. Maybe come June or July, if Manny Ramirez is back playing and you know he's he's he he is able to contribute maybe to a contender or another team. That this is a possibility that Oakland can pick up quite a few prospects.
2: You know why not? I mean I don't think with Oakland you can ever rule out anything. Um, I think right now what they're really concentrating on and focusing on is seeing if, if Manny can contribute if he has anything left at this age, and he can help out the A's, I think maybe in the future that could be something, maybe they spin him off. I think right now it's just determining if he's good enough to make this roster, because right. uh, it was really a, a low-risk kind of signing, and nothing's guaranteed, so it's basically a tryout camp for Manny. So right now they're, just, they're really just trying to evaluate and determine his value.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that can, that's going to be an interesting thing to follow this spring. And, and like I said, when it comes to make that decision, knowing that there's 50 games, you're not going to get him uh, to be a part of it. That, that's going to be a tough choice. But a lot of excitement, of course. You know, this is a rebuilding team in Oakland. Tell me a little bit about the excitement of this uh, Cuban defector Cepadus arriving here soon. Yeah, he's
2: supposed to arrive this weekend, and uh, it will be interesting to see where he slots in. I mean, people have said he's a natural center fielder. But he can play the, you know, the corner positions. I think Coco Crisp, uh, and rightfully agree, thinks that, you know, that's his position. So he's not like he's going to hand that over. And, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, coming in this late, you know, Oakland, they leave for Japan, you know, later this month, you know, to start the season. It's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts to major league pitching during spring training and if they need him to go to the minors for a little bit, or if he breaks camp. I mean, I think these are a lot of questions that are going to be determined over the next three weeks or so.
1: Well, I think we can safely say that in this AL West, Oakland definitely is probably going to be towards the bottom. Let's kind of go from the bottom and work our way up. And tell me a little bit, you were just at Seattle's camp. Tell me a little bit what's going on in Seattle.
2: You know what, I think they're really, uh, it's going to be built around, uh, you know, Felix Hernandez. They They acquired Jesus Montero you know, the catcher from the Yankees. And, you know, one thing that the Mariners really are looking forward to is they have a, a host of guys. They're younger guys, you know, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, but at the lower levels on the mound. And there are some top prospects that could, you know, make their way into the big league soon. You know, I don't know if the Mariners are going to compete this year. How well they'll compete. One thing they're trying to do is move, they move Sean Figgins to lead off. They move Ichiro back to three hole. And I think it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Uh, it'll especially interesting when you consider they ha- have Sean Figgins under contract for a couple more years. Ichiro could be free after this year. So that whole thing has a bunch of interesting elements to it. And we'll really see how that plays out.
1: All right, well, let's work our way up to the next one. And, of course, I am going to start. I think they're going to finish first, but I'm going to start with them as the second team. And, then, of course, that's the the Los Angeles Angels with Albert Pujols. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen at that camp and what, what the excitement there is all about.
2: You know what? I think everybody knows how great Albert Pujols is. And, uh, you know, we can go on and on about, you know, the power and the clutch and the world championships that he's provided and there's a big part of. But I think one thing, obviously, that'll play a big role in their success is their pitching. And you look, they have Jared Weaver, Dan Haren, Irvin Santana, and C.J. Wilson. And if they can keep all those guys healthy, I mean, they're they will be a force. I mean, that's
1: pretty, yeah, that's a, a pretty of good lineup.
2: Like, yeah, yeah. Just think of those guys. I mean, and and the, and they, you know, they have you know young outfielders, Borges, and you know different players, but I think the, the pitching will probably carry them this year.
1: Jesse, was there much talk there? I, I just saw yesterday on the news that where uh, Mark Trumbo has been cleared for all baseball activities. Was there much talk about his, his switch to third base and how important that's going to be for this ball club?
2: You know what? Uh, that's, definitely, that's definitely. I think people are still trying to determine how healthy he is, when he can come back. I think what they're trying to do now is go with what they have what is on the roster now and build that way. Uh the Angels seem to have depth at a lot of positions if you look in the outfield. Uh Bobby Abreu, he recently asked that be to play more or be traded and then he kind of took that back. I mean, they have depth at different positions, so they're kind of just focusing on that uh the pitching and obviously with Albert and possibly Kendrick Morales making a comeback. I mean, it should be really interesting there in Anaheim.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, that's going to be an interesting story. I think also, too, the, the closing situation is going to be interesting, too, and, and see if that works out. Because uh, to me, that's the only question mark that remains to be seen with this ball club is, as far as stability in, in, their, in every aspect of that ball club. All yeah. right, well, let's move on. Of course, the, the World Series runner-up, the Texas Rangers, they lose C.J. Wilson, but... They go out and they sign the big name Yu Darvish. So tell me a little bit about what you've heard about him being added to that team and, of course, some of Josh Hamilton's issues that are going on. How is this going to affect this ball club, and where do you see the Rangers working out this year?
2: You know, I mean, I think, uh, as you know, with several the the big Japanese stars that come over, there's a big following. It's kind of like having Brad Pitt in your clubhouse. You know, they're just celebrities. But that said, Everything I hear about you, Darvish, he's really a team guy. He wants to mesh mesh in with the other guys. You know, he he's obviously a, a global star, but he wants to be a part of the Texas Rangers. You know, he wants to be another guy. He wants to be someone who's contributing. So it's not like he is just his lone star out there. He he wants to be part of the team, and I think that's the perfect attitude for that Rangers clubhouse, that Rangers team you know, as they try to get back to the World Series.
1: Jess, what do you, I mean, like I said, this is a ball club that has been there two years in a row, uh, come up short both years. The situation what they have going down there, I, you know, I understand Mike Napoli now is asking for, he's, he's talking about he's going to become a free agent. Um, what do you see in this division? Do you see the Rangers maybe repeating, or do you think the Angels, with, with the additions that they've done, uh, are the team to beat in this division?
2: You know what? If, I, if I'm an Angels fan, I would believe the Angels are going to win you know uh, that division. If you're a Rangers fan, you're going to think the Rangers are going to win that division. I mean, but it's, for me, I always like to give credit to the reigning champ. I mean, the, the guys were able to do it to win the A.O. pennant back-to-back years. And other than a few minor changes, you know, it's, it's the same team. So they're a year older, a year wiser. I think, I mean, I, I picked the Rangers to win the division, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Angels win it either.
1: All right. Well, I agree with you. I think I look at this division and I say that the Angels are definitely the odds-on favorite. Of course, like we always say, it looks good on paper, but it's got to right. transform over to the field. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, Jesse, great stuff. Now, where are you going to be headed this week? Are you going to be uh, co- what, 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 what other teams are you going to be covering coming up the you next couple I'll be, weeks? I'm
2: going to I'm going to check out the Dodgers tomorrow. Uh, I'll probably go back to the Brewers Monday. Going to see the Rangers this week. Um, basically, that's the beauty of Arizona. Everybody is really close to each other. I mean, relatively speaking, compared to Florida. So you can really see as many guys, see as many clubhouses as you can in two or three days. You know, so basically, I'll be all around camp. But you know, starting off with the White Sox here today, and then the Dodgers tomorrow.
1: All right, my last question to you, Jesse. Of course, since you are covering everybody, and I did hear you mention you are going to be going by Brewers camp. I just I would be remiss not to ask you in your, all of your years of covering baseball and everything else, the Ryan Braun situation, and how, what was your take on that?
2: You know what? I mean, that's such an interesting, complex question. I mean, a complex matter. I think the people who support Ryan Braun will always support Ryan Braun. I think the people who don't believe Ryan Braun will, will never believe Ryan Braun. And, and each side has their own reasons. You know, I think it's getting really complex with Ryan Braun re- releasing statements. statement, you know, the uh, the person who took the test releasing a statement, uh, the lawyers releasing a statement. I mean, I think this is one of those things that's going to continue, and it's, you know, whether I know obviously he was found, to you know, he's not going to uh, serve any suspension, but I think this is one of those things. I think everybody will agree that, some people will, will view Ryan Braun in a different way, you know, I'm not, and I don't know if that's fair. Uh, and maybe it is, but maybe it isn't. But it's such a fresh thing that just happened, and it's complex. Uh, and all, all the only thing I really know for sure is the Brewers are happy to have Ryan Braun for the first fifty, 50 games of the year, and Braun's happy to be there.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I think one of the biggest things for him to be able to do is just moving forward. Believe me, as someone who's been in that situation before very similar, uh it's a matter of going forward and just continuing to be the player that he was, the 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 man that he was and the guy that he was. And I think eventually uh from what everything I've seen and I have met Brian a couple times, uh that this is a this is a pretty good guy all around and I think that'll that'll eventually come out and I think people will will definitely uh Give him that opportunity and the benefit of the doubt, hopefully. But like you said, there's always going to be those naysayers. You can't make everyone happy. But, well, Jess, I appreciate you joining me. Like I said, I'm going to let you get back to the White Sox and to to help out uh, our our, our fellow uh, old colleague, Mr. Merkin, uh, help him out and and cover that team. But I look forward to uh, checking in with you a couple weeks, spring training towards the end, and, of course, get to see where – maybe now the reality sits in and what we can really look forward to as far as the season started. And, you know, with all some of these injuries that are happening and some of the things that happen, we'll talk a little bit towards the end of spring break and, uh, or spring training. And we'll figure out, uh, what your predictions are for the upcoming year. I know we hate to do them, but we have to do them. Right. So Jesse, right. I appreciate you joining right. man. All right. Thank you, Jim. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Okay. All right, buddy. Have a good day. That was Jesse Sanchez, MLB.com site reporter. He, you know, he covers just about everything. Uh, he's over at the White Sox right now. Of course, the, the new look White Sox with all their changes and everything that they've done gave us a lot of great information on that. Uh, and of course the AL West, which is going to be a really, really big division this year and something that we we really have to I, You, you look at every team out there and, uh, you know, you figure that the Angels and the and the Rangers are going to be competing for the division. But also, it's going to be a lot of interesting stories coming out of Oakland and coming out of Seattle with uh, all of the free agencies, with, of course, the Manny Ramirez watch and whether he makes that ball club uh, and they, the, the 50-game suspension that goes with it. Of course, the Cepeda's coming over there and the anticipation of what this guy might bring to that ball club and how he fits in there. And I think that's going to be an interesting division. I don't think it's... I think it's a division that's going to be a two-team race pretty much the whole year. But at the same time, there'll be a lot of interesting stories coming out of there. So we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we are going to talk everything baseball for once. I have a few emails. I have a few things to talk about. I will discover I will talk about the topics that are really big right now. Jason Veritek's retirement. as, as most of you may remember or may not remember, I was with Jason Veritek his first year in the big leagues. I was part of the Boston Red Sox at that time. And one of the main reasons why Jason actually got the opportunity to start catching that year. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And, of course, his 15-year career that that he had as uh, bringing, bringing two championships to, to a town that would have been waiting 86 years for one. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that coming up and uh, get some of his thoughts. And of course, um, you know, talk about just everything baseball. We will be back in about two minutes. We'll speak then. <laughs> What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place?
0: Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish.
1: Welcome to Inside the Trenches, everyone—the interactive
0: show that is sweeping across the nation here on Voice America Sports. Simply with your host,
1: twelve-year pro football veteran, yes, of course, the voice of America, R. Cal Trula. We're bringing it to you today. Starts at noon, and so does Inside the Trenches, twelve p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Bringing you the ins and out, letting you know what's going on in and around sports, and also in and around your neck of the woods. So if you want to be on the show and you want to be a part of the show, simply go to InsideTheTrenches.com and let's make this thing happen for you. The interactive show that is sweeping across the nation. Inside the Trenches, your show.
0: Your internet flagship station for sports.
1: Voice America Sports.
0: You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Leyritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jemleyritz.com. Now,
1: back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. And, of course, as we've been talking about all year during the show is to start doing, taking some emails and start taking some calls from you guys. And I did get quite a few emails over the last 24 hours, uh, surprisingly. And, you know, we're just talking about everything in baseball. Of course, the big news, of course, I just mentioned it was Jason Veritek's retirement. And I had a email from John and UMass, university of Massachusetts, I guess. And he writes, Jason Veritek was the greatest Red Sox catcher. Oh, I don't know about that one. The greatest Red Sox catcher ever. I think Carlton Fisk might have a have a little thing to say about that. But the greatest Red Sox catcher ever. Tell me a little bit about what it was like playing with him. Oh, all right. Well, good. Obviously, he knows I was. I I actually played with Jason Veritek, and yeah, you know, sitting here watching this guy retire. Um, You know, you start to reminisce a little bit about, number one, how old I am. But number two, uh, in 1998, I was part of the Boston Red Sox. Um, I was sent there to be the starting catcher. And uh, Jason Veritek came in as a rookie that year. And uh, long story short, uh, I didn't get along with Joe Kerrigan. He did, and he became the starting catcher. And, of course, uh, no one knew at that time – what he would turn out to be. And I tell you what, one thing that I loved about watching Jason was the fact that this guy coming in was so open to listening, uh, to talking about catching, to talking about knowing how to get to know the pitchers. And, you know, him and I sat a lot in the locker room and talking and uh, even though I was only there for three months, uh, just talking about how, you know, what to do, how to pick pitchers brains and, and make sure. And, uh, just watching like i said watching him develop into the player that he did the leader that he did uh was great to see because when this kid first came in you know he was very very raw very uh laid back not not so much that emotional firework that you would see on the field as his, as his career progressed he was actually a little bit you know a little bit shy uh and it was great to see that uh that he uh, you know, turned out to be the player that he did. And I think this is this is going to be a tough time for the Red Sox. You know, you lose Tim Wakefield, who was, you know, the, as far as the pitching staff goes, as their emotional leader, a uh, guy that, you know, did so well there in Boston and, and brought so many things outside of, the, on the field, but off the field. Uh, Jason Veritek was the same guy. And, uh, you know, talking to some of his teammates and, you know, listening to some of the fans talk about how much they're going to miss him. A lot of people hoped... That they would sign him to a smaller contract, that he would come back. But honestly, I think this is this is the right move for Jason. Uh, you know, here's a guy who played at such a high level for so many so many years, and, I, I, and I'm not talking about a high level as far as you know a Pudge Rodriguez type of guy, but just an all-around guy. Any pitcher that you've ever talked to that worked with Jason Veritek talks about what a great professional teammate this guy was what how he was focused how he was prepared here was one of the few catchers back in especially this day where offense is so important one of the few catchers that didn't care whether he was 0 for 4 or 4 for 4 he'd rather he took more pride in catching a no hitter or a shutout or just a team win and i think uh you know one of the things that uh should always be remembered about Jason is just how professional this guy was. And I remember, you know, a couple people came over and spoke at his thing yesterday and Tim Wakefield, of course, being one of them. And I'll take a quote from Tim that says tech epitomizes what a true professional should be. He's been a great teammate, but more importantly, he's been a better friend. The way he prepared the Boston Red Sox over the last 15 years has been an inspiration to all who have watched, although his leadership will be missed. His legacy as a Red Sox history will, ne- will be forged in forever. It has been a true honor to have played with him this long, and I wish him nothing but the best as he starts the new chapter in life. And I thought this was very interesting. Here's Tim Wakefield, who's just on the beginning of him also, starting the new chapter of his life, uh, sharing his thoughts about his former Red Sox teammate uh, and about Jason starting his new um, his new career. And I think it's going to be the same thing. I think the Red Sox are going to want to keep him around. They're going to ask him to be a part of this. And I think it'll be the same thing that uh, went through that, that, that Tim Wakefield went through also is, you know, what? Take some time, spend some time with the family. And then after a while, maybe, you know, get back into coming around and, and really teaching some of these other players who are, are not, have not been a part of this Red Sox run. Uh, what it's really like to be a Red Sox. Because I can tell you right now, this is something that the Yankees have always done so well with their former players, is to bring them back up and keep uh, what it what it means to be on that part of that organization means. And I think uh, a very tough day for a lot of people, uh, Red Sox fans, and of course, a lot of Red Sox teammates. So Jason, we wish you nothing but the best uh, after a great career. And of course, bringing two World Series to the Red Sox after that 86-year drought that this ball club had. Uh, nothing but good thoughts for your way and, and and what you're going to be doing. A little bit more in the news. Uh, we'll talk about. Let's talk about catchers. Lots of catchers in the news. Brian McCann comes out, talks about the, the Braves, and one of the f- few things that you see i you know, a lot of people are criticizing him coming out and making a comment that he feels like he's taking blame for their collapse and of course his offensive woes at the end of the year and you know he was in charge of that pitching staff and you know some people are making comments about well why is he taking the blame that's stupid yeah, you know why, why would he do that? you know what i i give the guy credit you know what this is this is an just like Veritek, this is a guy who wants to be known as the leader of this ball club. He wants people to look at him and say, listen, as this club goes, I'm a big part of it, and I want to be the leader here. I don't think anything he said should be taken out of context or anything that he mentioned during his interview uh, for taking the blame for this should be looked at negatively by anybody. You know, I was watching some of the MLB guys talking about it on the news. Oh, why would he come out? I can't believe he's saying this. No, this is what a leader does. This is what somebody does that wants to have that pressure, that wants to be, uh, and, I, and I won't say captain because I, there, he's not the captain on the ball club, but this is, this is what the catcher's supposed to do. He's supposed to be the heart and soul of that team. He's supposed to be the leader. He's in charge of the 12 pitchers or 11 pitchers, however many they carry. He's in charge of everything that goes on. I think this is a great thing. And Brian McCann, I salute you. For taking this stance. This is what catchers are supposed to do. Other catchers. Mike Napoli. Mike Napoli says he wants to test the free agent market. Uh, Mike, be careful what you ask for. Because uh, here's the situation right now. You had a good second half. Um, If the Rangers are willing to come to you right now and offer you a, a fairly good contract over a few years, I think you may have to consider it. Because the bottom line is you want to test the free agent market. At the same time, uh, if you don't have a good series, if you get hurt, you're a catcher. Uh, it's like being a pitcher and, and maybe testing the odds and saying you're going to wait. Um, you know, I, I, I got to say right now that you've you've carved out a pretty good niche there in Texas. Uh, they like you. They like what you did for their ball club last year. Uh, if I was your agent, I'd sit down right now with you and say, "Okay, you know what? Let's see if we can't work something out. We'll, we'll get that extra money because we're giving up our free agency. At the same time, uh, you know, let, let's be smart here because right now your value is as high as it can get, and this may run into a problem with the Rangers. The Rangers may say, okay, 'Okay, Mr. Napoli, we may wait. Let's see if your uh, trying to think of the right if your bravado is as." you you can go out there and, and back it up and then we will talk about a possible contract. Uh lots of things happening there. And of course, when he looks when Napoli is I'm sure looking at what his value is and where it is, the new contract signed by the St. Louis Cardinals, Yadelier Molina, a five year 75 million dollar deal with a mutual option for the sixth year. Uh this is something that, you know, Mr. Napoli may want to look at and say, okay, you know what, if the Rangers are willing to step up now and give me something similar, this may be a good time to do it. Because I'm looking at Yadier Molina and I'm saying that's a nice contract. This is a guy that isn't given a lot of credit offensively for what he does, uh, but for defensively, he is probably the best in the game, Uh but what a lot of people don't look at is this guy's a 290 career hitter since 2008. He's averaged 59 RBIs since 2008. This is a pretty pretty solid catcher uh, offensively, too. So this is something that Mike Napoli may want to look at or his agents may want to look at and say, okay, you know what, you give us something similar to that, maybe a little bit more, because Mike Napoli does bring a little bit more offense. Uh, it may be something that as much as you want to test the free agent market, it may not be a good idea, so we'll wait to see what happens there with Napoli uh other catchers news Buster Posey uh news coming out of San Francisco camp that he won't be ready for the first spring training games uh I've got to wonder what the what the buzz is there, and maybe by next week uh I'll work on that because I do have some ties with San Francisco with Henzi Mullins and Roberto Kelly, and of course uh their manager. Bruce Bochy, who I played for in San Diego, I'll try to get a little bit more update on that next week for my listeners in San Francisco and get the Buster Posey update on what's really happening with him and whether or not he will be ready for the start of this season to be able to catch as much as he's going to be called on. So we will uh, check on that news. Other news, A.J. Burnett, I had an email from Richard in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania saying Unbelievable. A.J. Burnett finally getting the opportunity to get back to the National League, getting a chance to prove that his unfortunate time with the Yankees wasn't a reality, but more of a mirage, that getting back to the National League would give him a chance to prove himself again. What an unfortunate situation. A.J. Burnett practicing his bunting skills, fouls a ball off his eye, and now has surgery and is out eight to 12 weeks. And one of the things we have to be really careful of uh, when we look at this is eight to 12 weeks of a pitcher. Um, and anytime you break the orbital bone, and this is something that I, I haven't heard anybody talk about yet, when you break the orbital bone, it requires no stress in order for it to heal. And it's going to be a very, very tough, road for him because he's not going to be able to work on his arm he's not going to be able to throw uh too much and that eight weeks of healing uh and then starting over i look at this injury being more 16 to 20 weeks uh before aj Burnett is able to even just start get back on the mound start getting ready for the season so i'm i'm looking at this as more of an injury that aj may be back by june and i think if the if the pirates have him back by june they will be lucky because uh this is a pretty serious injury uh when you look at it so unfortunately for aj burnett you know it's, it's a situation that looked good but of course uh we'll have to keep our eye on that as the season progresses other news other injury news grady sizemore jeez what more can be said about this guy Every year, something. I mean, this is one of the most talented players that I've seen over the years. And, you know, when we talk about five tool guys and what he brings to a ball club. uh, But this is just one guy that year in and year out, something creeps up. And, of course, out again now with lower back surgery, going to be out 10 to 12 weeks. Another guy that may not be joining his club till June or July. It's an unfortunate situation. A lot of people talk about Grady Sizemore, and they say the reason why he's injured is because he plays too hard. Uh, I don't buy that one, okay? The bottom line is that he's a player on the field. His body is maybe just trying to tell him something, and uh, one of those situations maybe be uh, Grady Sizemore makes a move to first base instead of playing the outfield where maybe he uh, is a little bit less prone to injury and maybe can control some of that passion and some of that stuff that he has when he plays the outfield, so... Uh, Grady Sizemore, of course, coming back from this injury, this may be an opportunity for him to maybe make a position change, something the Indians are going to have to maybe consider uh, when he does come back from this injury. And like I said, this is the greatest time of spring training. There are so many things happening. Uh, games are getting ready to begin starting tomorrow. Um, and this is where you're going to be able to see injuries. This is where you're going to see things take place. This is where you're going to see these phenoms and these guys that uh, these clubs are taking a look at uh, start to pan out and get a better look. One of the beauties of spring training is we can make a prediction now. Every ball club is at the height of expectations of what's coming this next year. And every team feels like we're going to compete. We heard Jesse Sanchez talk about the White Sox and, you know, what their expectations are, and they don't want to be counted out. Every team right now wants to be that. As these next few weeks progress, some of those teams, the reality will sit in and we'll be able to say, okay, you know what? We are are progressing, but we're not going to be competing with some of these teams and some of those realities that sit in. We will be discussing those every week from here on in. So... In closing, I would like to thank Jesse Sanchez, MLB.com site reporter for joining me. We will be back next week. Like I said, the games are beginning. Spring training is underway. Excitement, anticipation, reality is all going to be setting in over the next few weeks. We will be back to talk to you next Friday. More insight, more information. Keep the emails coming. We will discuss all of those. This is Jim Leyritz, The King's Corner, Talking Baseball. We will see you next week.
0: We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to The King's Corner, Talking Baseball with your host, Jim Leyritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend.